Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. breath of God. Grace has many expressions. And without a doubt, it has engaged in your life so many times, you have no idea. I think that 
that if you understood how often and how much your lives have been protected, guided, intervened by heaven, your jaw would drop on the floor. And that is the nature of grace. And it's an itsy-bitsy voice, but everybody has that. It's like a, a wave of guilt that goes through you that says, are you really sure you want to say that or think that about that person? That's, that's grace in action. That's grace that comes in and says, take that back. That's how grace operates in your life. It saves you from doing something harsh and dark and gives you an option to do something good and right in its place. Grace is the breath of God. Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Carolyn Mace, Grace. Carolyn Mace, Grace. (laughs) I love it. I love her. Sometimes folks say she's a little bit short or sharp under the collar. But what is our interpretation of spirituality anyway? Isn't it okay if some of us have a little bit of a sharp tendency and some of us are really gentle and soft and sweet? Let's just accept each other as we are and get over those you know, those knotted ways of seeing each other and and living our lives, you know, bottled up, tied up, messed up, confused up. But anyway, I just want to remind everyone, you know, that if we focus on what's wrong, we sometimes get lost in the muddle. And if we can kind of direct our energy in what's working, what's available, what's here for you, what can you do? What can you unfold? What can you unknot in your life to really find that We're really here to not only um, move away from a lot of old thinking and old ways, but we're also here to help each other up, to see in what way we can help one another. I know that sometimes it's a sweet challenge when you have to do that with the folks that you're living with versus someone that you only come in contact with once a week or twice a week. Uh, But the fact that you can help somebody that you connect with once a week or twice a week or once a month or once a year means you can also do it full-time for the ones that you live with. And I feel that the struggles that we go through with our closest relationships are basically a sign that we actually need to add more hours in our goodness. For example, um, let's say if I'm with my mother and being with her can be a sweet challenge and I find I'm only sweet with her 10 hours a day, just giving you an example, which I'm much more than that. But let's say I'm only sweet with her 10 hours a day, and the rest of the hours of the day, 14, I feel miserable. Then I'm getting a signal to say, well, you can turn that 10 into 12, and then that 14 into into 12, and then 
change your 12 into 14 and then your 14, you know, your 12 into 10. You know, you can change, you can move the energy and make it a whole lot more to your advantage where your closest relationships that are testing you are actually an opportunity for you to basically get over yourself quicker and to be the person that you've always wanted to be. Just my food for thought, just my food for thought. Today, I'm really pleased to welcome my next guest, Ty Howard, who I've just come to learn about and is doing great stuff. Ty is an internationally respected authority on self-development and business development. He is a habits intervention specialist, relationship expert, teacher, and professional development consultant who has dedicated much of his life to teaching knots free living and relationship building to organizations, individuals, and families around the globe. Ty is the author of Untie the Knots, That Tie Up Yourself, a Practical Guide to Freeing Yourself from Toxic Habits, Choices, People, and Relationships. Over 200 million people in this country are tied up and delayed from accomplishing and living their dreams due to toxic habits, chaos, you know, the choices that they're making because of people, relationships. And according to Ty, unless we start identifying and untying the toxic knots that tie up our life, the U.S. will be a nation plagued with mediocre, debt-ridden, procrastinating, unproductive people and companies. Touche. Ty Howard, welcome to America Meditating Radio. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Jenna. Thank you for having me. Yes. So you're speaking truth to power, aren't you? You're not holding anything back. You know that we're a mess right now. You do know that, right? Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) And sometimes when there's a mess, it gives us a chance to look at it and say, you know what, I really need to clean up this place. I can't keep living in this muck. But have you ever felt like when you start to adjust try to go after cleaning up the muck, you're like, oh, I'm too tired. I just can't do it right now. Later. Yes. And if it's not that, then I think one of the top knots or excuses out there is, you know, we all say we're very busy. I'm too busy to address that. I'll get to that when I have time, and then that time never comes. Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell this story about my experience with our garage, and I would yes. go in it, and I would be like, oh, God, when the weather gets good, I'll I'll see what I can do. When this person comes, um, I'll see if they can help me. Long story short, never tackled the garage. Yes. But then yes. one day, I had to go into our RV to get something, but there was an item in the in a box in the garage that I needed. So I opened up the garage, and then I entered a box, and I got what I needed for the RV. But along the way, I began to find things like treasures. And as I was unfolding one box, then I went to another, and then I just like, oh, Ty, I ended up cleaning the garage by default. I wasn't planning on doing that. (laughs) And I think what happens is that sometimes our own spiritual cleansing can happen by default, Sometimes it happens because somebody comes along in our lives and helps us. And sometimes it happens because it's just the time. Now, in in your book, you talk about your challenging upbringing and how your life transitioned through living in foster care, becoming a teenage father, almost dropping out of school. Ty, it's incredible. How did your time in foster care even helped to shape your perspective, and what was that point in your life that led you to turn your situation around? 
Well, my time in foster care, the thing I'd like to make clear, you know, to people is, you know, my brother and myself, we were taken out of my mother's home. At the, I was two years old. My brother was three. And so we were still, you know, infants, and, and we we then were put, made as the ward of the state with the state of Maryland. And my time there, we were there for five years, and it it, it helped to shape me in such a way because it was very it was a very traumatic time for one and then two it was a comforting time because at that same time when that was going on we were we were residents of St. Vincent's Catholic Charity and mm-hmm. it was more like a group type a group of home for infant and toddlers that have been sent there because of abuse. And so we had doctors and professionals and nurses and teachers. A matter of fact, our early Head Start, Head Start were a part of the program. And so the comforting part came there because I used to have a lot of fears. I would, you know, cry and and want to go back home and ask to go back home. And I had that support where they started to to teach and and inspire me and comfort me. So that helped me to find some type of hope that, okay, mm-hmm. maybe one day I will get a chance to go back home, you know, to my mother. And then as time went, the courts did allow my mother to come visit, you know, on the weekends, and then we were allowed to stay over the weekend at her house, and then we had to come back, and then finally that day came where we were allowed to uh, Mm -hmm. go back home. So, Ty, during all of that, do you recall what you were going through inside? Do you remember... What were some of those thoughts, and could you actually now identify that it was preparing you for the person that you are today? Well, I can see that now. Back then, it was just fear and uncertainty, and I, I would put it as a baby cub just wanting to be you know, back with his mother and not fully, truly understanding um, why? why was I? Why was I taken away? Why was I here? But when you talk about the here and now, I look back and I remember, you know how you journey through life and you come across situations, people, messages, and things like that. And I remember one. It was one year I was watching Oprah. I was a young adult at that time in the military, and I was watching Oprah and Dr. Maya Angelou was on there and Oprah was opening up and saying how frustrated and angry she was with her mom because of the experience that she had experienced. And then Maya Angelou's thoughts was your mother did the best she could with what she knew then. When she knew better, she did better. So to say that, Sister Jenna, my mother and I, we're like the best of friends at this, you know, at this point in my life where I do 
call her and refer to her as my hero. Wow, that's a great story. I yeah. feel that way too, Ty, with my mom. She was orphaned at seven, and um, she's been through a lot. And yes. she has very unique expressions and different ways of being. And despite whatever it is that we've been through as a family, I can only look at her with the enormous amount of courage that yes. she put into her life, considering the fact that she came from such a shattered childhood. And yet yes. she was still able to raise a child with, um, I would say, you know, some pretty okay values. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk about your book, um, Untie the Knots. What have your, what have you found to be some of the most common toxic knots that tie people up and delay them? Well, some living of the their most, dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the most common toxic knots, when you look at people today, you look at knots in the form of procrastination, excuse-making, self-pity, anger, pride, financial problems, addiction, matching or trying to be like others, fear, pessimism, conflict, confusion, stress, clutter, low self-esteem, self-doubt, lack of direction, materialism, distractions, laziness, misery, unforgiving, never finishing, negative attitude, toxic relationships. And mm. my book actually goes on to share what I consider the 50 most common toxic knots tying up people today. And it gives them not only the label or, of identifying them, but it also offers solutions or suggestions on how someone could go about addressing after they've identified a knot, how they can go about addressing and beginning to work on that knot. And one thing I communicate in the book is sometimes we have knots that we haven't courageously and boldly confronted in years, sometimes decades. So when you do finally get to that point where you can summon up that courage and that bravery to say, okay, I'm going to deal with this, and if it's just about you and dealing with the inner and outer you, that's one thing, but then it may also be one that ties into a relationship where there has to be a discussion, you know, right. had in order for you to find your way through. Now, you may not get all the answers that you want. You may not get the full satisfaction that you want, but the whole key purpose of it all is to take yourself through the process because in the going through and breaking through and untying that knot, that's where you actually begin the process of freeing yourself from from that, like you spoke earlier, that, that, that toxic energy, that thing that has been ringing space in your mind and in your soul for so many mm -hmm. years. Yeah. I know, Ty, lately I've been finding myself looking at um, our personality, our healing, our process, our yeah. process, sometimes not necessarily, and please take this as with, with a very neutral receiving, but I'm just observing. Is it that everything has its own time? And I've noticed that even for myself, let's say I'm in one of those seasons where 
just nothing in me feels right, and nothing outside of me even feels good enough to make me feel right. Yeah. And I'm just in a knot, and it doesn't matter how much wisdom I have. It doesn't matter how much love I have around me. It doesn't matter in the fact that I've got purpose in my life. There's something at a soul level in me that is in a conjecture of karma. And yes. it just has me sort of stunted. And I can't go for it. I don't want to move backward. I'm just blah. In yes. your book, you do say that we should never quit, never stop, don't ever give up. Yes. Would you say that this is maybe one of the most challenging steps of the whole process, especially when you're in that season? Yes, yes, yes. I would say that. And I would also go on to say if you could imagine uh, a car, you know, going through NASCAR, going through one of the Daytona 500s and that car goes around and around and around, but at some point it has to come into a pit stop. And I visualize what you just said where, yes, you don't want to go backwards. You, 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 you feel like, you know, you don't have enough energy or what have you to go forward, but you still have to replenish and, and, and find some type of resolve to get yourself, you know, the necessary you know, self-care, proper care, and sometimes mm -hmm. it's okay if you find that in just being still for a moment, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, and, 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 and finding yourself so that you can then get yourself, you know, going again. And there's a quote that I use in my book by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson who says, life is a succession of lessons which must be lived to be understood. So what you just said, that's a part of living. I, I always let an audience know life is life. Life is going to happen. No person's life is identical to the next person beside them or in front of them or behind them. Everybody's mm -hmm. life, you know, has its own accord. And, yes, I, I do um, agree and support what you just said, yes, sometimes you can find yourself at that point where, yes, you, you need to be still, or you mm -hmm. may even feel stuck at a point, but in that moment, even though you may not be moving, you still should be doing something to cleanse. Yeah, yeah, at least, it's such an interesting period. Uh, I've been through a few cycles of those, and I've always wondered, where do they come from, despite yeah. all of the blessings and fortune that I have? And then I yeah. find myself wondering, what are my brothers and sisters going through who don't even have a quarter of what I have? And this and this takes me into the intensity, the, the stuff that's sitting in our souls, and the need for light to come in to, to really remove all of the fear. You also talk in the book about acknowledging and pushing through our fears, and you introduce a model called the fear zone reduction. Could you yes. tell us about the model and how do you define fear? I actually was just um, uh, in a movie that's coming out on fear, and it's become a yes. really big conversation about this fear mode. So... Tell us about the fear zone reduction model that you talk about. 
Okay. The um, the fear zone reduction model. I look at fear, and and I look at it as you know fear being your false emotions acting recklessly, and I I find that when we do confront our fears, and as it's been said by Susan Jeffers, she says, feel the fear and do it anyway. But in that, you find freedom, you know, when you push through and all. And and then when I look at the word freedom, I said, you know, it's your fueled resources, education, empowerment, driven daily to open opportunities for positive movement. So, when you feel the fear and do it anyway, you're giving yourself that fear, I mean, that, that fuel to, to push mm-hmm. through. And as you're pushing through, you're gaining those resources that will, will help to empower you and to open opportunities for positive movement. And so when I look at the model, that's what the model, you know, within the book that I share, that's, that's what that helps a person to do, to find the resolve, to find the solutions so that they can give themselves a higher trajectory in life because mm-hmm. sometimes you can feel grounded. You yeah. can feel no matter how hard, how, how fast you try to run, how high you try to jump, you just won't be able to get it, you know, to capture mm-hmm. that, what they say, that wind beneath my wings, so to speak. Um, so a lot of times with that, it can be tied to fear. Some people, they want success. They know how to be successful, but then they may be stuck or tied up in a way where someone says, okay, I'm ready to get up. I'm ready to go on and become whatever, you know, positive version of themselves, but then they're stuck with, well, what happens if someone comes up behind me and tries to remind me of how I used to be or right. from the place I'm trying to leave and all of that? So they have the doubt and the fear there. But then you have people that are out there that are very successful, and when you look at them on the surface, you're like, wow, I'm proud of that person. I'm glad that person is having the success and the abundance that they're having. But what people may not know is through fear they may be self-sabotaging themselves from getting to that next level of success and achievement. So you, mm-hmm. it can happen to people at all phases of life. Fear can be something that's very, very traumatizing and stagnating, you know, for people. Sure, sure. It is, it is. And I also consider fear just a waste of time. Yeah. Um Throughout the book, you encourage us to constantly reward ourselves when we experience a not-free success moment. And you've even quoted Barbara Hoffman, who said, stop worrying about the potholes in the road and celebrate the journey. I don't know if she would say that if she was in Jamaica. But anyway, why is it important to to reward ourselves more frequently, regardless of how small or big the accomplishment might be? Well, think about when when you're young, you know, and when you were young. You would go from kindergarten 
to elementary school and then from elementary to middle school and then, you know, on to high school. Or if you're a person where they had schools even back then where it went from pre-K all the way up to high school just in one building. But even in that phase of your life, every time you did something, it was celebrated in some way. You know, when you look at graduations, you look at transitioning from 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 kindergarten to first grade, from elementary school to uh, middle school, then high school, and then even when you would get your driver's permit or you you received an acceptance letter to college or some special program that was a resource for young kids in the community to empower themselves, there was always some type of recognition and celebration. And what happens when we become adults, we -hmm. become adults and we get out in the workforce and we're working hard to, to, to stay ahead and we're paying our bills and stuff like that. We, we, we don't look at rewarding ourselves. And like I tell people, all the time. It doesn't have to be something grand. It can simply mm-hmm. be, you can simply say, you know what, I'm going to go out and just have an ice cream cone. Or I'm going right. to, or I'm going to go, you know, go eat at the restaurant that serves the type of food and dish that I truly love. Or I'm going mm-hmm. to spend time with this special person because this person knows how hard I worked in order to achieve this particular goal or outcome. And I say celebrate. I don't care if it's uh, something that you may consider a small level victory or win or something in the middle or something grand. Right. So basically just stop focusing on all the knots all the time because that's such a drainage of energy, but it's time to – not turn your back on, you know, well, what did you do well today? Because all I've heard for the last 10 minutes, it's everything that's wrong. (laughs) And so if you keep thinking about what's wrong with you, then the knot only gets more reinforced and tighter. And that might be a way in which we're actually self-sabotaging ourselves. So is there a way we can go about avoiding self and outside sabotage, which we know holds us back a lot? Yes. Yes, yes. And understanding that, you know, when you're steering a ship, if the ship goes one or two degrees off, it will not, you know, it will not land or ashore where it was attending to land. Or if you look at improvement that way, because sometimes people look at improvement as an extreme venture, where I say, if I'm on a course, and I'm constantly self-sabotaging myself, if I can get a 2%, 3% improvement within the next 30 to 90 or 120 days, then that is an improvement. So how do I stop self-sabotaging myself? Well, I always believe when it comes to the untie the knot concept, you have to replace some form of self-sabotaging belief or self-talk with something Mm -hmm. that's more positive and healthy. And so it first starts by identifying what is it, for instance, if I use negative self-talk where I say nothing good happens for me, or if I'm 
if I go and I start to trust other people, then I will get hurt or abused in the end. See, that's self-sabotaging because for me, I live by the fact that, like you were saying earlier, yes, the world needs help. The world needs motivation. It needs healing. And, yes, we are seeing today a lot of examples of mean-spirited people, but I still believe they're good people out here. So for Mm -hmm. me, that helps me to balance, you know, the world in some way. It's not perfectly balanced, but it helps to help me believe that when I go out my door, not everybody out here is looking, you know, to turn the world upside down and implode it all together. I believe that there's still people like myself, like yourself, and like others who are positive people looking to help, you know, others and yourself. So a part of that self-sabotaging solution is finding ways to change your your mindset, to change your self-talk, and to, to change whatever contributors that you have voices, music, movies, books you read or whatever, if they're not positive and healthy, then you have to, someone says, well, I'm an avid reader. Okay, well, maybe you need to change the types of books that you're reading so that you begin to shift your mindset. That Remember I said that, that one, two, three, five percent so that you can start to strengthen yourself, your spirit, your soul so that you sure. can stop sabotaging yourself in that way. Right. So now I've got one last question to ask you. You know, those of us who are in the genre or the consciousness of really paying attention to ourselves, we enter through periods that are also challenging. When yes. you find yourself in those moments and you have to go on the stage and tell people how to be their best, how do you how do you balance out when you know it's just not a good season? For me, uh, I tend to be quite authentic with my audiences at times, and I will just tell them, you know, I'll talk and I'll go into my spiel and I'll let them know, you know, I've had better days, but I just know that I needed to be here with you. Like, what steps, have you ever been in that space? And if so, you know, share with some of our listeners who might be in similar genres, even if it's just getting up and going to work and having to present a big project, but feeling yes. really, really down on yourself. What what few steps would you offer an individual in that state? The, the few steps that I would offer, one, to answer your question, yes, I have been in that state or that place. And, and it's very difficult because you may be stepping out on stage in front of a room of you know, 50, 500, 5,000 people, and you still have to summon, you know, the energy, the carriage, and the, you know, the, the perseverance to give them what they brought you there for. And so my answer to the next question is, what do I do? Well, one, I find, I do find ways to use affirmations. I use meditation. I I also use other, you know, friends and trusted mentors and people that that I can honestly talk to and be open with. And like you, I will share openly 
you know, with the audience, but you, you, you know, that, that has to be um, very, you have to mind that very closely because you don't want to end up with yourself feeling that you're, you're in a tough place. You don't want to walk off stage and now you have 5,000 people in a tough, you know what I mean? Even though some of them may have already been there, but they're now feeling your, you know, your, your, your energy, your hurt, your pain. So you have to be very careful on how much of that you pass off to the audience. Sure. Because if you do share and pass it off, then you have to be mindful that it's your accountability and responsibility to get them out of that before you, for me, you know, and you, before you leave off stage to make them feel uplifted and inspired and to make them feel that if you by any chance are in the same place too, there's hope. This is how you get out of that. So I believe in using, like I said, affirmations. I use my my network. I have what's called my Fab Five group or mm-hmm. team, and these nice. are supporters of five people that I can call. If I call them, text them, email them without fail, they will respond, and they will give me um, what I consider trust advice. advice. You trust it. Yeah. yeah. That's so important. Yeah. That's so important. Now, I'm going to, I wanted to close the conversation um, way back, but I love the way that you're sharing. And something has come up as you're talking. And I want to let you know that I'm coming from a broader um, idea. As an African-American man in the United States of America, what one word of advice would you offer all the young African-American men growing up in this society? The one advice that I would offer them is to, to you know, to boldly stand up within themselves, to, to work hard to develop themselves into that, that belief or that positive promise that they see for themselves and to work tirelessly each and every day, you know, to manifest that, to make that come into existence. I, I share with, you know, my, my brothers all the time where I have the saying, you know, the knots of life may test you, leaving your will feeling tired and tried. Don't quit, never give up. You've only been delayed, but you're rarely denied. So they have mm-hmm. to find strength in that particular message so that they can continue forward. And, yes, we can look at it across the board for young black men. You know, the systems aren't fair. They aren't yes. equal. They aren't balanced. But they still have to push through because through their journey and their tenacity, they can help to find the way and open the doors for others who come behind them because that's the second part of the answer, too. Once you push through, once you break through, once you untie that knot, right, you have right. to be the Harriet Tubman that comes back and says, right. this is where the star is, this is where the light is, and you have to mm. bring other people through. So many times 
we brothers, we get through, and once we go through, it's like the door or whatever closes behind you, and you don't look back. You have to pay it forward. Sure. I get it. I get it. Ty Howard, thank you so much. Um, leave us yes. with a website that they can hear, get some more information on your book and your workshops. Yes, they can visit www.tyhoward.com. Again, www.tyhoward.com. Thank you so much, Ty Howard. All the very best. Thank you, Sister Jenna. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you, your show, your spirit, your energy. Thank you. Received. Take care. Yes, ma'am. So that was Ty Howard. Please look up for a copy for his book, Untie the Knots. You know that tie you up in life. It's so true. There's so much stuff that we're wasting so much time on. I mean, I've been just really focusing on just getting over me. I just find that to be really, really important. So remember, as I end every show, and I'm sure you've taken a lot from Ty's discussion, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So let's do that a little bit more. Uh, Don't forget to join me if you happen to be in Denver on July 23rd to the 25th. Or if you're in the nation's capital, come on out to the America Meditates with our friends from the Meditation Museum and uh, the Art of Living. For more information, just go to americameditating.org and go to events page. Here's Marvin Gaye on Inner City. Take care, everyone.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.